Hey, this is Paul, and I'm at the Knowledge 12 Conference in New Orleans with the ServiceNow folks, and I have the pleasure of meeting Jimmy Fitzgerald. He's the VP of Professional Services for ServiceNow, and I'm going to ask Jimmy a couple questions about ServiceNow. They have some interesting ITSM capabilities, as you probably know, incident, problem, change, CMDB, all that good stuff around ITSM. But the platform has been designed and architected in a way, so it's also a platform as a service offering. Maybe you could give us an example of the sorts of things that customers might build or use your team to help them build in terms of extra services on top of the ServiceNow platform. Okay. Hi, Paul. And Sam, very exciting to talk to you about this. A good example is uh, it's one of the the big four um, kind of consulting companies out there. They embarked on a journey with ServiceNow to transform IT and... uh, completely replace a number of legacy systems with a single system of record across incident problem change and, and many other areas. And it was an application that was successfully applied to an in-user audience of 140,000 professionals around the world in, in many, many locations over, a, I think, a nine-month uh, period or, or, or so. During the latter stages of that project, their business came to them and the IT department and wanted to accelerate the deployment of a, mobi- a mobility application. The application was intended, um, they sell professional services around the world, and based on the unique skills of a consultant, a consultant could get assigned from their home country to a client country to complete an engagement. So uh, a simple example would be maybe there's some work that is required for a client in South Africa, and the perfect consultant is a, is a consultant in the UK. So what they wanted was, before they embark on that engagement, what are the visa, um, what are the security, what are the travel requirements that need to be in place for that consult- consultant to, to, to be assigned to that project? So, you know, you can't travel to certain countries um, without visas. You, can, you need to be aware of certain security requirements before you enter other countries, and, and so on and so on. Um, so it naturally lends itself to our platform because it begins with a request from an employee or a resource manager, in this case, where I want to take an employee from one country to another country for an engagement. So the request would include details of the from country, the to country, the duration of the, of the engagement, um, and other specific needs. And that triggers a workflow in our platform. And the workflow could be multi-threaded in this example. It could have to go to a security team. It could have to go to a, a HR team around visa requirements um, and could have to go to other um, kind of key stakeholders and the workflow would make its way through and finally get approved by somebody in terms of this is an engagement that can be supported and approved. And, and that approval notice gets sent back to the, uh, to the employee and the resource manager to know that, yeah, I, uh, I, I know what I need to do or already have all of the things I need to successfully get on a plane and go to that, go to that country and, and successfully deliver that service. That's a fairly typical need, so it starts with a request. It triggers a workflow, triggers a series of, of approvals, and then ends up with analytics or information back to a series of stakeholders, including the requester of the service. Um, in this example, it was rolled out to 140,000 users. Um, there's 110,000 end users, all of their all of their consultants globally, um, uh, dozens of countries, and it was something that they stood up successfully in production in, in a matter of weeks because of the nature of the platform being a request, a workflow. Um, an approval process, and then analytics to make sure that everyone involved in the process has what they are required to be successful.
One thing I find interesting, and maybe I should start with just a little background. So ServiceNow, of course, is a software as a service solution for ITSM. Well, we say ITSM a lot, but you can take away the IT and still have the SM or the, the service management. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hearing already today uh, pe- people, customers talking about th- they have this sort of sprawl of different IT tools that they're using. And so when they use service now, they, they're able to sort of consolidate and have incident problem change, CMDB, and you name it all together, all integrated. They're, they're all sharing the same data. They're, they all have the same uh, interface and, and look and feel and so on. So what I find interesting in this example that you gave is that then you can still stay within that environment, yet extend it and, and have the, that same look and feel, have the same workflows and the same types of screens, and then also get access in those workflows to the underlying data. So I, I'm sort of guessing here, but I imagine in the workflow, you have access to the, the IDs, uh, so to speak, of the individuals that are requesting things and, and who to forward to. So, so maybe the question is, can you say anything more about you know, what sort of data that's sort of inherent in the system that customers would have access to when writing these workflows? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. So um, you know, there's there's a number of things in the platform that make it pretty unique. Um, it's a, obviously a single database. It's an integrated set of workflows um, and user profiles. So, you know, the example I gave you where we have 140,000 end users, um, as they require a new laptop, as they require access to a new application, that workflow has to go through a fairly similar workflow approval process where typically the managers improve. So a lot of that, that user profile and that approval matrix is already in the application. And then when you extend that to, in this case, a mobility application, you can reuse and leverage a lot of the, 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 the system of record that you have built up um, in the course of the initial deployment. The same with um, another classic example is employee onboarding. It's a uh, Employee onboarding at large companies can be a notoriously slow and uh, cumbersome process where, you know, you need access to a laptop, you need um, access to, um, let's assume it's Windows in this case, and what are the applications you need to do to get your job done? Um, ERP, expense, time recording, and and the list goes on and on. And and equally at the other end of the the, uh, process when employees are offboarded, so they leave for some reason, you need to do it's even more important from a security perspective to shut down access to all of these applications. So um, some of the templates that we have in the platform as a service is, again, the same thing. It's an employee onboarding process and an employee offboarding process, but leveraging many of the kind of the, the assets and the workflows that you've built up during the, the, during the initial um, ITSM deployment. Because in an employee onboarding process, it's um, it's mostly related to system access, but there's other things. It could be security clearances, security badges, office assignments, and all of these things that lend itself to a very similar structure in terms of uh, in terms of, of rollout. And last question: Are you seeing your customers extending ServiceNow through the platform as a service capabilities to manage public clouds or maybe internal private clouds or what have you? Yeah, I'm, uh, um, it's a great question, and. and um, it's an exciting area for us. I mean, for the cloud, it's all about adoption and uh, it's all about automation, right? So um, we, uh, as part of the our IT transformation tagline, we're really trying to take companies from IT service management, um, help desk consolidation, those kind of things, to enterprise service automation, with the key word being automation. And so, again, sticking within the um, IT, you could have a... Um, 
a customer that's a big SAP uh, shop, right? Maybe there's a particular SAP project team that at the start of a project, they need virtual servers and, and infrastructure mobilized to make sure that they can have a, a platform to develop. So that's a, a typical workflow that can be automated. So you have a member of IT department say, I'm starting a new project using platform A, and this is the infrastructure I need to support it, whether it's you know deployment of virtual servers, public or private. Um, and then that gets provisioned, once that goes through the workflow, gets approved, there is no human involved in the provision of that infrastructure to that project team and uh, using our runbook technology. And then equally, you know, with cloud, it's uh, very important to make sure that you also close down, close down those projects as they come to a natural completion and, and maturity. Um, otherwise, it becomes a very uh, expensive proposition and um, lots of security and compliance issues. So equally, at the end of that life cycle, you have a very similar process that may be employee-initiated or it may be time-initiated. So if that environment sits idle for 90 days, as an example, it could trigger a set of workflows to the originator to confirm that the virtual environment can be blown up and destroyed, archived, blown up and destroyed, whatever it may be. And um, with that approval um, comes another runback automation opportunity where we're actually freeing up that space to, to, to be put to better use by IT. Well, Jimmy, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for for sharing your knowledge, and we'll talk to you some more later. It's a pleasure, Paul. Have a great Knowledge 12. Thanks.